The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. A new law changing how we appoint judges will go into effect on May 3rd. It was one of those blink and you'll miss it decisions made by the Utah legislature this year. But the ripple effect could touch some of our most hot-button issues. It's Tuesday, April 18th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Simon Cantarero, you are a professor of legal ethics at Brigham Young University. Can you tell me why Utah's system for appointing judges has for a while now, been the nation's gold standard? Well, it's been the nation's gold standard because of the process Mm. by which judges for the state courts are picked. And judges, juvenile court judges, uh, district court judges, uh, which deal with criminal issues, with civil cases, and the Utah Court of Appeals and Utah Supreme Court. Um, The process has been one where it took... Um, lawyers and non-lawyers as sort of reviewers Mm. of applicants who want to be judges and also combine them with a bipartisan, you know, commissions. And uh, ultimately it went to the governor and the state Senate for nomination and confirmation. So the makeup of who gets to pick judges plus the process by which they're picked and the process by which the judges are retained or stay employed as judges, that has been something that other states aspire to have. Hmm. And so what is, how is the process currently or has been different between how we appoint judges and how we retain them? Actually, uh, the process is somewhat same. I think the biggest change has been on what Utah calls judicial nominating commissions. And you can think of them as panels that are appointed by the governor to review applicants. So if you think of somebody who wants to apply to, for a job, lawyers who apply to be judges, instead of one person reviewing their job applications, it's a panel of people who review the job applications. And so by law, up until, well, until May 3rd of this year, by law, those commissions, that panel was made up of lawyers and non-lawyers. It uh, also could not include any member of the legislature. Oh, a lot of lawyers up there. Well, yeah, but but not as many as you think. But, mm. but the one thing that these judicial nominating commissions, by law in the statute, it said that no more than four of them, no more than four commissioners may be from the same political party. That's what the law said. Uh, so it had to be bipartisan. Also, the governor had to appoint two of those panel members, two of those commissioners, from a list of lawyers given to the governor by the Utah State Bar. The Utah State Bar 
is the is the body that issues licenses and admissions and discipline of lawyers. Mm-hmm. So the gov- by law, the governor had to appoint two lawyers recommended by the bar. And also this panel cannot could not have more than four people who were lawyers. So if you think about this panel that reviews applicants to be judges, it had to include lawyers and non-lawyers. Mm. It had to be nonpartisan, but it cannot be so stacked with lawyers. Right. That's a big, big thing because who is best qualified to review an application to be a judge than someone who is experienced in appearing in front of judges. Right. What's the value of having non-lawyers on that commission? For one, it's a check and a balance on the lawyer's perspective. Mm -hmm. So you want to have a diversity of thought in this panel that makes decisions. So that's one benefit. The other benefit, too, is that non-lawyers could better represent the community. And in many ways, uh, the law continues to be a male-dominated profession. The lawyers in Utah, the majority of them are white. Um, there's not a lot of uh, brown and black or Asian people who are who are lawyers. So it continues to have some demographic, you know, it's tilted demographically. So non-lawyers... By having non-lawyers, you can kind of make up for that, for that difference. And the last thing uh, is non-lawyers also bring up a, a sort of a real-life perspective of what the, how is the law applied to just the average person in Utah, someone who doesn't have to go to court every day. And that's a very, very valuable perspective to have when determining whether somebody would be a, a good judge or not. Yeah. Bedside manners is a, it's a good example. You know, you want judges to have, quote-unquote, good bedside manners or what we call temperament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's very frightening to appear before a judge, no matter who you are, right? Whether you are me or Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yeah. For how long was this, has this been the system for appointing judges in Utah? I'm not exactly sure how long it's been, but it's been for a, a great number of years. Mm. Governor Herbert, our last governor, yeah. but he probably nominated over three quarters of the judges who are judges today. Mm-hmm. The number of women lawyers who became judges, uh, he appointed the most women in history of Utah to be judges. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's been around for for a long time, Yeah, at, at least 10 years. The legacy of that is so felt because if you fast forward to now, we have the fir- Utah's first ever majority female Supreme Court. So there's a ripple effect there that you can kind of already feel in this moment. Well, the reason that you and I are having this conversation is because this judicial appointment process is about to change. So how is it changing now and why does that matter? I mentioned a few moments ago that it had to be a bipartisan. That requirement is is gone. It, It was removed by the Utah legislature this year. What does that mean? Well... It means you can have a entirely partisan panel, entirely partisan commission. So uh, the predominant party in Utah is Republican. You can conceivably have an entirely Republican commission. So that's a big thing. The other thing, too, that uh, is removed is this requirement to have two lawyers nominated by the Utah State Bar. That 
requirement was lifted, removed entirely. I don't know why. One can only suspect that the legislature in its collective wisdom thought, well, if the governor can pick whoever he wants, we can trust the government's judgment more than the judgment of the bar, the Utah State Bar. Hmm. I mean, that is the implied message. So it seemed to be a solution looking for a problem, hmm. frankly. A favorite tactic of the Utah legislature. I feel like I say that a lot on this show. <laughs> I mean, as a voting citizen, you have to understand uh, why are these things being done? Right. Why now? Yeah. And what not not listen so much to the spin, but to understand exactly what is the net effect of the changes you're proposing? Hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. The net effects are you are removing a check and balance in having a bipartisan panel commission. Uh, that's an important thing to have in my estimation. Uh, and you're removing uh, recommendations from the one governing body over lawyers who could, who has a better idea of who would be a qualified individual to make an assessment on who would make a good judge. It depends to be seen, but we'll see the quality of lawyers who apply to be judges. We'll see what that quality is in the coming years. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I want to ask you this question in part because I'm, as a Utahan, shaken by this change. And also because you are a professor of legal ethics. Do you think that Utahns should have good faith in our state's judicial system right now? 
The answer to the question should is yes. Lawyers who become judges by a wide margin, conscientious and thoughtful and intelligent people who have been educated in law, who have a great amount of experience, uh, technically speaking, as lawyers. These are people who by far and wide believe that no one is above a law. And they're patriotic. They love the Constitution. They understand the Constitution. They are not politicians. They are not, for the most part, um, people who would want to campaign or stand in front of big crowds to rally people up, for the most part. They are intelligent people. So conscientious to the point that the jobs they have to do is to interpret the laws as they are written. I think because of that, Utahns should have, and I think rightfully do have, a trust in in those people who wear robes for a job and and decide legal issues. I think the biggest concern for me, as I see this legislation going forward, in fact, it goes into effect May 3rd, we have a good group of people being judges. And now the mechanism by which they were, they became judges is now changed significantly. So if you change the process, you're going to change the outcome. But I think people should be paying very close attention on what kinds of lawyers become judges. I think that is something that every every Utah should be really keeping a close eye on. Well, if we do look down the road a little bit, I mean, it's my understanding that the legality of some of Utah's most hot button issues, let's take, for example, the state's total abortion ban, the state's new abortion clinic ban that the governor also just signed and Planned Parenthood has filed a lawsuit over. These are going to be issues that are ultimately decided in our courts. So how could these recent changes to the judicial appointment system impact how we as a state reckon with these very hot button issues down the road? That I think that's a concern. We kind of see it at the federal level, almost at a national level. Mm. Utahns should recognize that whenever they vote for a president, probably the most important thing that they are voting is not just who gets to use Air Force One or Camp David. They get to choose who will be the ultimate interpreter of laws and, con- and the Constitution, who, who will be on the Supreme Court of the United States. That is a significantly powerful, significant and impactful power that the president has. To bring it to a state level, you're putting that power into the hands of the governor, uh, where one individual can say, who will sit on these courts to interpret the laws that the, that the legislature passes, like the bills you just mentioned. Yeah, I think that's important to know. If we have a multi-party system where we have you know political balance, uh, then I wouldn't be so concerned, but we don't have a political balance in Utah. It's predominantly Republican. And even within the Republican Party, there are, you know, very wide differences among the different wings of the Republican Party. So when you have that sort of makeup, that's where I get concerned with who would be able to pass the test to become a judge? You know, will they rule against the people who appointed them? Mm-hmm. There are judges today, and we can see from some of the recent court opinions that have come out in some of these issues you mentioned, that they were able to rule against the government, against the law. Yeah. Or at least temporarily say, hey, stop, you know, this doesn't pass constitutional analysis. Right. 
thinking of Judge Stone's injunction on Utah's abortion ban, which I think a lot surprised a lot of people. It surprised a lot of people, but it, it doesn't surprise lawyers who know what judges should be doing. Hmm. I mean, Judge Stone did what a judge should do. Going back to being a thoughtful, intelligent person. Well, sometimes that means telling the governor and those in power and the legislature saying, you know, let's pause on this. Let's see it through. Let's think it through. And because this is a consequential, consequential issue. Well, you brought up the fact that in Utah, judges are not politicians. But in my home state of Florida, not necessarily the gold standard of judicial appointment, judges are elected. And so in many ways, they are politicians. They run for office just like legislators. And if I think about this change to our judicial appointment system, like tapping out one Jenga piece, I have to wonder, is electing judges the direction that Utah is headed? Does the state of Utah think that that is a better system? I sure hope not. Uh, but again, I don't know what's in the mind of the legislatures, uh, legislators. If the legislature in future years thinks, well, the current system is not working, we're going to change it to something different. They, they've always had the right to change that. I mean, that's their job to ch- make laws and change laws. Right. But what are they going to change it to and why? Simon Cantarero, professor of legal ethics at Brigham Young University. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you, Ali. Professor Cantarero is one attorney and legal ethics expert who is certainly critical of this new law. But here's what two attorneys in the legislature had to say about it. Republican Senator Kurt Cullimore from Sandy sponsored the bill. He told Axios he felt the change would provide more discretion for the governor to pick the most qualified people. And Representative Jordan Tusher, a Republican from South Jordan, is quoted in the Salt Lake Tribune saying, The state bar has taken up too much control of the process, so good qualified applicants are not making it to the governor's desk to be able to nominate them. All right, you ate your broccoli on our court system. So here's some news about pickleball courts. If you've never heard of pickleball, it's like tennis meets ping pong meets badminton. And despite the fact that it's skyrocketing in popularity, there are currently no pickleball courts on the west side of the city, reports the Salt Lake Tribune's Alex El Cabrera. But the Die Hard Pickleballers Club, a tournament playing group of mostly Polynesian pickleballers, is trying to change that. They are sick of commuting to play. The city says the new Glendale Regional Park will have pickleball courts installed in phase two, but that's not going to be for a while. In the meantime, the city painted pickleball court lines inside some existing tennis courts, but that's not cutting it either. So this summer, the city and the club will work together to determine whether to add new courts or fully repurpose some of the tennis courts. Now, I don't know much about pickleball. I'm more of a tennis guy. But my favorite thing I learned in Alexel's story is that because pickleball paddles are solid, not netted, players can customize their paddles with paint, which makes for fabulous art on the court as well. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.